0: 2nd Samuel chapter 11. 2nd Samuel chapter 11. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lays down his life for his friends. I, a lot of times we, I, I'm preaching, man, let's run to the world, let's reach the world, let's Let's lift up Christ. Let's preach the gospel. And I'm, Man, all that is important. We need to do that. But I tell you, inside the walls of the church, if we are not taking care of one another, if we're not doing the job and the work and the calling that God has given us, we fall apart on the battlefield. We, we trip up. We get weak. We get called out. We get shot down. We, we're not strong enough. So last week I got into this and, and we got into the passage and... And talked about how I need you. And, and I'm not just saying me to you, but every person. You could look to your left or the right, the person afterwards, and just say, I need you. I'm not here alone. The Bible says, Come, don't forsake yourself. Come together. Gather yourself together. Not just to say, well, we were in a room together. No, there's a purpose for it. I said, I, I need you to notice me. Not, look not every man on his own needs, but look on the needs of others. Turn around and say, Lord, who do you have me here for? Lord, how can I help somebody? How can I lift them up? How can I push them forward? That was the second thing. I, I, I need you to push me. It's what the Bible says about provoke me. Man, Man, sometimes I'm going to get lazy. Sometimes I'm going to give up. Sometimes I'm going to want to quit. And I need somebody to just come up and say, man, come on. I, I, I need you to help me. And the Bible in that same passage in Philippians said he made himself with no reputation and took on him the form of servant. He said, if I, as I have done this, I've done it as an example for you to follow. Let me tell you guys a fact when we're talking about this. I'm going to give you three more points about how I need you. But Here's the thing. Shallow relationships produce shallow Christians. That, that's how it is. When, when you have a casual, non-involved uh, relationship with other Christians, you, you have a bunch of people that are not doing their job. You just are. You know, I know this when Jesus called the disciples, he gathered with them, he walked with them, he loved them, he taught them, he was involved in them. When they started to get off, he corrected them. When he started when when they did wrong, he picked them up. When they, when they did sin, he called them out on it. I'm tired of casualties in the church because they are preventable. I'm going to read a, a verse in Proverbs. We're going to be sprinkling this with Proverbs. I'm going to I I got inspired. I was in Life Group this past week, Stan Dick's class. If if you want to get into Proverbs 2, we're doing a class on Sunday morning. uh, Stan Dick is teaching that. And he started dropping all these things. And we're we're talking about uh, sharpening each other and provoking one another. And I took out my pen. I was writing down notes for my message. So I've got to give thanks to the Stan. But... I came across this verse, and we'll get into a bunch of things in Proverbs as we go. The Bible says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And I I, I know that because here's the thing Satan's not just after you, he's after your heart. Because out of your heart comes all the issues of life it comes how I deal with my kids, how I live for the Lord, how I preach, how I teach it. All the issues of life come out of my heart. Well, if that's true, what do you think Satan's after? He's after your heart. He's after that seat of emotions. He's And the Bible says you better guard your heart. Now, how do we do this? The thing is, we don't do it alone. Because here's the thing. You're going to get off track. Did you guys know that? If you say, I'm, I'm not that type of guy. Well, you're exactly that type of guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll never fall like that. I'll never. That, man, that, that's, how, that's the first step to falling on your face. When you sit there, I'll never do that. Man, none of us are, are, are uh, above any of that. We all battle our flesh. We all struggle. We all sin. We all get lazy. Yep. There should have been a whole lot more amens on that one. <laughs> and then you get up and the circle continues. And you do well. And then, then all of a sudden the, the, the battle and the, Satan. You know, for, for us, sometimes we get through the, the battle and we're like, Woo, I'm glad that's over. Satan doesn't just Stop. You think Satan just goes, oh, well, the guys leave him alone. He's fought hard enough. He says, no, let's go back in there. We, we've got to keep the fight going. I want to talk about a guy that did this. Now, I'm actually going to preach on David, but I'm not actually preaching on David. We're going to preach on Nathan. And, okay, so a lot of times I've, I've got to get through David just set this out because I want to get to the story of Nathan. And, and so for the sake of time, let me just kind of get you guys caught up. David was a man that passionately loved God. David was a leader. He was loyal. He wrote scriptures. He wrote songs. He praised God. The Bible even says one time as king he danced before God. He, not, not a choreographed dance like you'd see on the Oscars. Where this was totally different. Of him praising God, he was so overwhelmed with joy. He won victories that were truly epic. He over he overcame incredible opposition. We we recognize this guy as a hero of the faith, but David started slipping. David did not just fall into sin. He, he got to where he slipped down a slope one step at a time until he got to the point where Satan set him up. David got apathetic. He got to the attitude of what's the big deal, and I'm going to read it for you. You're going to see it. Second Samuel eleven one, and we're going to get to uh, Nathan here in a minute. And it came to pass after the years were expired at the time when kings go forth to battle. Do you know where David was? David was a king. Do you know where David should have been? He should have been in battle. That David sent Joab. You go for me. I don't want to go. Let me tell you guys how you get into sin. One of the first steps is you end up not being where you should be. That's how you end up in sin. You are not where you should be. Let me tell you guys right now, there's empty seats in here. Do you know where those, some of those people are? And I'm not talking to people that are sick or whatever. But if you choose to be on the lake because it's sunshine and you heard that it's going to be 60 degrees in February, rather than being in church, you're not in the right place. Right, right. Say, so, man, you're judging me. I promise you, you, you need the Word of God a whole lot more than you need to try to catch that fish. Come on, man. Come on. It, it affects all of us. And his servants with him and all Israel and destroy the children of Ammon and besiege Rahab. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. One step at a time. And it came to evening time that David arose off his bed and he walked upon the roof of his king's house. And from the rooftop he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And you say, what happens next? You see, David was just a man. You can sit there and say, oh, I'm stronger than that. You might be in your spirit, but your flesh is not. That's why the Bible says don't put confidence in your flesh. Just sit there and think that you could look upon that and not be affected by it. Satan says, go for it. And God says, you can't handle it. You shouldn't even look in that direction, but his flesh did. What happens is a series of sins, one after another. Sin affects his leadership, it affects his testimony, and affected his integrity. It brought him to lust, to murder, to lie, to deceive, and adultery. So how did that happen? How do you go from a man after God's own heart... To being a murderer, an adulterer, and a liar. It's easy. All you have to do is put confidence in your flesh. Now we go to the end. 2 Samuel eleven twenty six. 26. David tried to cover up his sin. And David uh, actually found he got this girl pregnant. And uh, after he got the girl pregnant, he decided, you know what? I got a plan. I'm going to cover this up. Guys, you can cover sin up. It won't stay covered. Especially for us as Christians, God doesn't just sit back and say, well, it's okay with me. Well, they got it all covered up. The only thing that would cover your sins is the blood of Jesus Christ. Anything else that you try, it's a temporary fix. So here, David calls for his his husband and said, man, why don't you go have an evening with your wife so he could disguise it? And he said, you know what? I need to be at war. And he slept on the porch of his house and would not go in unto his wife. And that sin grew, and eventually he said, you know what? I'll just have him killed. They pushed him to the front of the battle. All the other men retreated and his own king set him up to be murdered on the battlefield. You think this is okay with God? It's not okay with God. If anybody's here today and you've tried to cover up your sin, it's not okay with God. Second Samuel eleven twenty six. 26 And when his wife of Uriah heard that Uriah her husband was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was passed, David sent and fetched him to her house, her to his house. And she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. God said, it's not right. You know what's funny about this is David was blinded by his own sin. Do you realize that sometimes you can have food on your face and you don't know it, but everybody else sees it? You know what I'm talking about? And God looks down at us and says, Do you realize that you've made a mess and you can't even see it. And then all of a sudden, God takes the mirror of his word and holds it up to your face and says, this is what you look like to me. Because we, we'll, we'll get apathetic. We'll get comfortable. We'll get lazy. We'll, we'll get in that stage. And all of a sudden, we're drifted so far from God that we can't even see the mess that we've made. And it's hurting us and we can't see it. So here's where God cares about it. Let me tell you, what we're about to read is because God cares about you isn't that great god cares about you you're not going to like what i'm about to say but this is how god cares about you and the lord sent nathan unto david and he came unto him and he said unto him there were two men one in the city the rich one was rich and the other one was poor and the rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds but the poor man had nothing Save you, one ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up and grew up together with him and his children and did eat his own meat and drank his own cup and lay in his bosom. And it was unto him as a daughter. That that one little lamb. That's all he had. And and this one little lamb became part of the family. It was was a pet among this family. They, They took care of it. They loved it. They sacrificed to feed this one little lamb. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and spared to take his own flock of his own herd and dress it, wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come unto him. And he said, "I don't want to touch what I have." Now, this is just a story. This story is made up right here. He came in and he's setting up and he's using this example. And he said that man went in and took the little cute lamb and, and, and killed that lamb and fed it to the traveler so he could keep all of his flocks without touching it. Of course, David, being a man of integrity, he stands up and he says, I want his head. That man is going to die. That disgusts me. That low life. How in the world could anybody of any morals do such a horrible thing? And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said unto Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. Okay. It's easy to bring down the hammer on somebody when it's not you, isn't it? It's easy to do this when it's not you. It's easy to call somebody out in their sin. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because of this thing, because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Ooh. Let's pray. Lord, as I share my heart and your word this morning, I am asking, Lord, that you will Lord, you'll step in in this service with us. Lord, what we're about to talk about, Lord, is extremely important. Lord, this could change whether a family is together five, ten years from now. It can change whether or not some young person is going to have scars in their life for the rest of their life as a result of a moral sin that they're about to let into their life. Lord, this, this could be the result of somebody living their life without regrets by applying what you taught us in this passage help this to penetrate our hearts and minds we pray this in your name amen you know why nathan was there on that day because god wanted nathan to be there on that day here's number one i'm telling you guys this will change your life i need you to call me out I need you to call me out. And I'm not, I'm not just saying me. I'm saying that, that phrase to every person that's around you. You need to understand that you need your brothers and sisters in Christ to call you out. Do you know why Nathan was there? The Bible says, and the Lord sent Nathan unto David. Nathan was a friend. He was a prophet. He was a messenger of God. But he was there to call a brother in God out on his sin. Do you know why we don't do this? I mean, I'm going to tell you guys, and, and this will help you big time, because... We cannot go in the world and allow the world to fill our brains up for what's right. We must fill our brains what's right and wrong according to what God has said. So I'm about to tell you something that every one of us have listened to the world and we pay attention to the world and all of a sudden we try to mix it with truth and it doesn't work that way. This is truth. I'm going to give you truth. People lack biblical understanding when it comes to this. This is why we don't call people out on stuff. You know what people have said? That's none of my business. That's none of my business. I I heard so-and-so slipping and and struggling in their room. Well, that's none of my business. Did did you hear, you find out that a teenager is struggling with cutting themselves or contemplating suicide. and You turn around and say, well, that's none of my business. You you find out about a lady in this church that's flirting with somebody else online. And you know that they're on the verge of an affair. You turn your head and say, well, that's none of my business. Let's just prove that for a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. 1 Corinthians, and I know you guys can put your finger in your place. It's going to be on the screen, but I want you guys to get this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12:14, the body is not one member, but many. You, you want a visual of that? Look over your shoulder right now. The body of Christ or the church is not just one person. It's many of us. It's all of us together. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If, if if my body was having a conversation and my foot and my hand were looking at each other and said, you know what, I'm different. God says, no, that's not true. You are one body. Okay, the Bible goes on. And the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Verse 20. But now are there many members yet one body? Verse 25. That there should be no schisms in the body. That's division. But that the body... But the members should have the same care one for the other. Verse twenty-six. Listen, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. And one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and members in particular. I mean, I ask you guys a question. You guys ready to get deep? What is this on the screen right here? Lagos, you guys are smart. I'm going to give you guys the history of the Legos, okay? And this is going to help you spiritually. You've got to let me get this. These were created by the Nazis. Yes, they were created by the Nazis. They were a secret weapon of war going back through, to, uh, through history. I can prove it. Have any of you ever got up in the middle of the night to check on your children? You, you might be a 240-pound man, but I tell you, that right there can bring you to your knees in a heartbeat. You get up to f- check on your kids. You walk down the hallway. It's all dark in there. You don't turn on the lights. You're going to just slowly sneak in there. You, you, you look upon their innocent faces as they're sleeping, and you realize that the covers fell off of them. And you think, I'm going to be a good father. I'm going to go in there and cover up my babies. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you hit that Lego with your foot. And you are down for the count, and you're sitting there screaming. Now, this is what happens, so you guys know this. Your foot is yelling really loud. It's hurt, and it's in pain. And you sit there and say, what's wrong with you? Is that how it works? No, your, your, your foot affects your knee, that buckles, that brings you down. And all of a sudden, you find out that they also didn't put away their matchbox cars. And your other knee finds that pile... And all of a sudden, it affects you're branding your mouth and your hands, and your mouth starts yelling, and all of a sudden you wake up the entire house. <laughs> See, why is that? You are one body, but many members. And what happens is what we don't get, we, we, we don't get this from the world, because they just say, you're, you're just a person. No, you're part of the body of Christ. You've got to understand that when the foot is hurt, It affects the hand, it affects the body, it affects the mission, it affects the health, it affects everything. You can have an infection in your baby toe, and that infection can spread through the entire body. And Christians will sit there and walk into the world and think that you can live in sin and do your own thing and live your own way, and yet you're teaching our kids and you don't think that's going to affect the body. You are wrong. I'm glad it's getting a little quiet because it needs to get a little quiet. I am telling you guys, as a pastor, as a brother and sister, for the idea that your sin is just your problem is a lie of the devil. If one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. We are connected. We are united. Can I go back to last Sunday when it said that we might be in one accord, of one mind, of one heart, of one body, of one mission. Do you guys remember that story of Achan? How he went out and he did wrong and he drugged sin. He drugged the treasures of Jericho and hid them in his tent. They went to fight the battle of Ai. They lost when they were way, way, way out. They outnumbered the other people. They should have won with no problem at all. You know why they didn't win? It had nothing to do with their weapons. It had nothing to do with their shields. And it had nothing to do with the enemy. They lost the power of God. When we allow sin into the body of Christ hurt foot, it eventually affects the entire body of Christ. Say, so, man, you're getting way off. You know why God was calling David out? Because God needed David to be a leader. I, I, I need every man in this to understand that I need you as a pastor and this church needs you as a leader. Every mom here needs to understand that it's not just your business that we're dealing with. Your business affects all of us. I need you to be an example to my kids. I need you to walk the spiritual life. I need you to stand up for what's righteousness. We need you to teach the truth, not because it's in your lesson, but because it's in your heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If we have people that are backing off and we say we need more people to be involved we need people to teach and we need people to this and you're sitting in your mind well I'm not good enough for that or I, I, I've, I've not my heart's not right and all these other things maybe that is true. The answer is not for you to back out the answer is for you to get your heart right. Amen. It affects all of us. Right. We're talking about the church not having the impact in the world that we're having today and we're wondering why. This is the reason why. Because this is the reason. God sent Nathan to David because he wanted him to know that he was connected. And I know that's Old Testament. We're talking New Testament. But it is your business. If I'm struggling in my life and you sit there and say it's not my business, that is a lie. We are family. We are connected. We are the body of Christ. We are together. We serve together. We shout together. We praise together and we fall together if your house was on fire and I knocked on your door and I was just trying to wake you up to warn you and said, dude, th- th- I'm, t- I'm telling you guys this because I love you. So I, this is almost like a Sunday school lesson here, but I'm telling you because I love you. And I knock on your door and I'd come there and say, hey, you walked to the door and, and I said, dude, your house is on fire. You need to get out. And you step back and say, who do you think you are? You're going to judge me and walk up here and tell me my house is on fire. I think your house is on fire. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I'm telling you, you you realize that that's what the world has taught us. They take the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, when when God preached the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, in that passage, and it says, judge not lest you be judged. Do you realize that is the most quoted verse in the world? Every lost person knows that. Did you know you're going to die and go to hell? Who are you to judge me? You realize, I'm not judging you. I'm not your judge. I cannot be your judge. God is your judge. But the thing is, if I see you are, your house is burning down, I am calling out the truth because I love you because judgment is coming. That means that you're going to die in the fire. Does that make sense? If you were driving down the road and the road was out and then you were going to fall off the cliff and I stood out there and said, I love you, but I turn my back and say, well, that's none of my business. If he wants to drive off the cliff, that's up to him. And I get out there and start waving my arms and I start saying, guys, hey, stop, stop. That's going to destroy you. That's going to hurt your entire family. And you just look out your window and say, stop judging me. I'm not judging you. I'm warning you of judgment to come. See, I, I, as a pastor, as a Christian, as a brother, as a sister in Christ, whoever you are, when we have the truth. My job is to tell you the truth, to set you free from the lie that will destroy you. This idea that I am judging you, judging means that I'm going to bring down judgment or condemnation upon you. No, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm bringing down truth to you to avoid the condemnation that is going to come down on you. Nathan was there because he was there on behalf of God. None of us are perfect. I am not your judge. But it is our job to call out things in each other's life that will hurt you like that house being on fire. And to sit there and say, oh, I, I, I love my neighbors and I love them, but I didn't knock on their door because I didn't want it. It's none of my business. Say said, that's ridiculous. Why is the divorce rate just as high in church as it is in the world? Why do we have just as many young people contemplating suicide? Why is it that the fact that we, we've got people that are struggling in their life? Why is it that men have so much problems with pornography that sit in a chair in church? Quiet, isn't it? Casualties, casualties, casualties. And we have a bunch of people that turn their head and say, Well, it's none of my business. The body of Christ is being affected, the body of Christ is hurting. The Bible says, Speak the truth in love, but never forget that it does say, Speak the truth. If I was to walk on and knock on your door and sit there and say, Hey, you're an idiot. Uh, your house is on fire. <laughs> no, I'm judging you. I'm passing on judgment of you and sit there and say, obviously you lit a candle and couldn't take care of your candle. Well, me on the other hand, I know how to light candles and take care of my... You, you, you see, there's a difference. It's not just what you do, but it's how you do it. Here, here's, here's the next thing. and say, why, why don't we call each other out? Because we lack biblical understanding that we're connected as a body of Christ. We, we, lack, we lack understanding what it means to judge one another, but here's, here's the other reason why we don't call each other out is we lack biblical relationships. It, it can't be that, that we, we sit in church on Sunday and the only connection that we have with one another, and I'm just saying, if some of you are new and it takes time to get to know each other, and I understand that. But sometimes if, if you're here for two years and you're still describing as, say, you know, what's his face or that one guy, something's wrong. See, the, the, Jesus had Peter, James, and John, and Bartholomew, and Andrew, and, and, and you go through that. He could name them out because they worked together, they served together, and they were connected together. See, a lot of times uh, you're, you're in church and you say, well, I don't call anybody out. How connected are you to the people that are sitting around you right now? See, there's, there's something about getting beyond and just say. Hey, you know what's his face? That one weird-looking, ugly guy that sits behind me. You just—that's Pastor Dave, by the way, if you didn't know his name. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't—we—we we haven't drawn that connection enough to be able to call each other out. You realize that Nathan knew David, and David knew David. It's, it's something like that. And I am not saying that everyone is tight with everybody, but Jesus did make it specifically clear that he had 12 men that he was close to. And at the end of it, he directly called out Peter of his sin because he was connected to Peter. The Bible says in Romans twelve ten, Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 says, But as touching brotherly love you need not that I write unto you. Hebrews 13, 1, Let brotherly love continue. You see, it's not just a casual relationship, it's an intimate family that's connected. Is, is Pastor Dave in here? Is Pastor Dave in here at all? I know he's probably in junior church. And I pick on him a lot. He's my brother. I love him. We get to serve together. But let me tell you guys something, and, I, and, and some of you know this about me and Pastor Dave, and some of you don't. Me and Dave are brothers and have been our entire lives. It's deep and profound. Dave and I do have no problems whatsoever going to our each other's offices, open the door, shut the door, and say, I need to talk to you, and calling each other out. You got mad. It was obvious. And you shouldn't have done that. Who are you? And we go back at it. And we've done this our entire lives. We grew up this way. We, we had jobs together. We, we, we went to Christian school together. We had this. And let me tell you, I am able to call my brother out because I know my brother. And my brother is able to call me out because he knows me. And when my brother calls me out, he is calling me out because he loves me and I call him out because I love him. And you sit there and say, it's judging. No, it's family. It's family. Nathan went up to David and said, thou art the man. I tell you the truth. Greater love does not turn your head of the hurts of others. Greater love does not ignore when people fall. Greater love does not turn their backs when we need each other the most. He needed David. And David needed him. He needed David to be his king. And David needed him to be his accountability partner. Call me out. Here's here's the second thing. I need you to call me out. I need you to pick me up. And David said in, in 2 Samuel 12, verse 13, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, and thou shalt not die. Let me tell you, David was at one of the lowest points of his life. This is a powerful principle that's often Overlooked. We have it in our minds that somehow that the last place that you should be is around other Christians when you do fall into sin or you make a mistake. You know why? Because I'm embarrassed. I've done wrong. I've messed up. I've sinned. Guys, can I tell you, we all do. If I have to run from the people that have my back, where am I going to get help? There are some people that are not in this church right now that should be in here because they're too embarrassed to come in here. And sometimes when you fall, you just don't know how to get up. When you get up, you don't know how to clean yourself up. You don't know how to get back in the game. And the devil comes up and tells you they don't want you anyways. You you, you used to teach on this or you've done this and now you've fallen and you're second rate and you'll never be good enough. That is not biblical whatsoever. As I know, this is not like, woohoo. This is Galatians 6 1, and I'll read it, should be on the screen. It says, Brethren, you know why it starts off with brethren? Because we are family and we are connected. As I'm telling you, there should be something about us in here that d- doesn't even come comparable to, to any buds in a bar or any, any place that you'd find in this world. There ought to be a, 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 a connection and a calling out and a thing. Brethren, if if any man be overtaken in fault, ye which are spiritual, the word next word does not say shun. Just so you guys know, it doesn't say shun, it says restore. Such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself that, that thou also be tempted, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's a lot easier to look the other way than to reach out to a brother that has fallen. Brethren, restore that word restore means completely thoroughly repair to men to restore. It means that your job as a brother and sister in Christ is to help them get back to where they were. That's like, what? It means restore. It doesn't mean that you fall and God comes up and says, make sure you give them that scarlet A. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean that they get a number two on their back because they're no longer God's favorite or God is this you realize that the power of God's blood is more powerful than any sin you'll commit? Amen. You. And we'll sit there and have the idea, well, they fell, they felt that this, they this. And let me tell you, there are consequences to sin. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, there, there's certain things that you, you get off and you get messed up in, and we're, we're not just going to throw you into a situation to set you up from failure. But the same thing, that God doesn't sit there and say that He's going to throw you out or not use you to serve Him anymore. You know what God's plan from David was? It was for him to lead his nation. We have so many casualties because we, we sit there, we want to bury the wounded rather than restore the hurting. I need you to call me out. I need to be restored. I need to be picked up. Do you guys know that you can't bear burdens, that you don't know what the burdens are? You can't pick people up if you're not connected to them. You, you can't call people out if you don't know them. Let's close with this one I need you to call me out I need you to pick me up I need you to hold me accountable Do you you know why we have to throw this in there? Because let me tell you There is a cycle in every person out here You say, man, you don't know me Yeah, I do You're flesh, I know you As in our flesh There's a cycle that happens We sin We fall we regret. Then we smolder in that oftentimes. And then, then we get picked up. We get cleaned up. We get restored. And do you know what happens? We have this idea that I'm all better. Did you guys know that, that Satan doesn't just quit? He's not going to turn and walk away from you and say, well, that tried, that, that didn't fail. He's going to say, no, guys. He's got a weakness in that area. Let's go after his weakness. If you have a weakness in an area, Satan's going to target that weakness. So here's the thing. I need you to hold me accountable because there's two, there's two paths that you're going to choose. And Proverbs gives us these two paths. So I'm going to ask you guys to turn with me and that this will be the last few passages. We're going to stay in Proverbs. We'll close out Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Proverbs sixteen 18. We're talking about falling. You have that idea. Well, I'm all right. I'm all right by myself. I, I, don't, I don't need anybody to tell me. I don't need anybody to call me out. I don't need nobody to pick me up, and I definitely don't need anybody holding me accountable. Well, this is what the Bible says about you if you've said that. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Most people that struggle get to the point where they have the attitude that I've got this. Do you realize that even Peter did that with Jesus? He said, Lord, I I, I will never betray you. Lord, I'll go to the grave before I betray you. And Jesus turned around and said, this night you'll betray me. And by the way, you'll do it three times. Because your spirit indeed is willing, but your flesh is weak. We have the idea that I've got this, and sometimes you need to admit that I don't have this. Do you realize that we have our recovery group in our church for this very reason? Because some of you need to be held accountable to know that you don't have this by yourself. Guys, let me tell you right now, it's going to get really uncomfortable. But I'll tell you, if you think you're just going to kick a porn problem by yourself, you're wrong. And a lot of these people that have this gossip problem and everything else, and the attitude is, "I've got this." The only one that's got it is Satan, and he knows how to use it. Our pride will destroy us. Christians with secret addictions and, and women that can't stun stop running people down and sowing discord and, and gossiping. You know what an amazing thing when you turn to somebody and say, "I need you to call me out. I need you to hold me accountable." James 5.16, let me read this. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye might be healed. Do, do you know why we do this? This, this? this is not handshaking. This is not tapping the guy on, on the shoulder during church. This is holding each other accountable. The, the word confess means to acknowledge and agree fully. I have a struggle in my life. I am losing the battle. It says confess your faults. That, that word fault means the error or the fault or that slip in your life. You know why we do that? Because the verse says that we may pray for one another. You know why we pray for one another? Because the thing is, you are not alone as you deal with this. To be able to go up to another Christian and say, how are you dealing with this? Or how are you doing with this? Or oh, things are okay. We have a pride problem. Or you can choose the faithful friend, faithful friend avenue. In Proverbs 27, verse 5, open rebuke is better than secret love. I'd rather you love me and tell me and call me out than the secret love means you know about it and you keep it to yourself. You know why Nathan called David out? Because Nathan cared about David and Nathan cared about pleasing God. Some of you need to be held accountable as you date, you keep having sex. You keep messing up. You keep living in regret. You keep dropping your head in church. You keep frustrating yourself and God. And you've got this guilt so bad in your life that you cannot praise God and you cannot serve God. And to be able to go to other believers and say, call me out and help me not to do this. I keep drinking. I keep smoking pot. I keep going back to this. I keep gossiping. I keep getting mad at my wife. I keep losing control of my flesh. The Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Wounds of a friend. You know what that is? Faithful are the wounds of a friend is sharp reproof. Knock me down. Call me out. Speak into my life. Help me. They might not say it, and guys, we have this thing in our people's lives so they might not say it, but inwardly they're screaming for it, but they don't know how to get it. I, I know this. It's uncomfortable. I'm tired of casualties. Iron sharpeneth iron. You can't have iron sharpened iron without sh- sparks. Do you guys know that? You cannot have iron sharpened iron without sparks. But I tell you, you can't be sharp to be the vessel that God's called you to be without having conflict with somebody else. That, that iron is striking that other and it's knocking off all those rough edges as it rubs upside that. It's confrontation. Do you know I know? I've, I've had it. I, I, I have had Pastor Joe walk into my office and shut the door and say, hey, I, I think you were in the flesh today. I've had my brother walk into my office and sit there and say, your sarcasm was oozing through that conversation. I said, well, Pastor Tony, shame on you. Shame on you too. (laughs) Do you know what I did? I argued with him. And I said, it wasn't sarcasm. I was proving a point. And blah, 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 blah. You know what I was doing? Pride go before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Eventually, I had to step back and say, you know what, I did do that. I'm sorry. If you see me do that again, will you call me out on it? And David was like, oh yeah. <laughs> you gotcha. <laughs> it's amazing when you go to a brother or sister in Christ and you just say, hey, I'm, I'm really struggling with this. I'm tired of struggling with this. I'm tired of apologizing to my wife. I'm tired of making up excuses. And I want you to ask me about it. And I want you to check on me. And I want you to call me out. I need you to do this. Last Sunday night, we we were sitting in the circle in our life group. And they got really uncomfortable. Stan started doing that around the room. He read a passage right out of Proverbs, what we're reading, and he started looking at other guys in the face and he said, which one of you have this all figured out? Which one of you? No, 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 and it's like you wait for guys to speak up and everything. And all of a sudden, confess your faults once another. You know why? That you might be healed. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Guys, I, I, I'm, I'm ready to fight. I, I'm ready to pick a fight with the devil. Let, let's storm hell with squirt guns, man. I'm, I'm like, just go all out with this. But we cannot do it if we don't have things right in our hearts and in our lives. We can talk all we want about how the world doesn't have it right. Guys, everything that I shared with you today is Scripture. Everything that God did. And you know what God did? God did restore David. God restored David. And God used David. And God blessed David. And God multiplied it and did great things through him. And God wants to do the same thing in your life. So it's time for you to find that Christian and say, I need you to call me out. I need you to pick me up. I need you to hold me accountable so I don't get back to where you have to pick me up again. Because I want to do what God has called me to do, and I want to do it with all of my heart. And they cannot do that when there's sin in there.